0: hi there welcome to the podcast this is surviving the ground <laughs> we're uh we're doing the uh social distancing episode here um uh, so i'm here with uh, my co-host and father joseph adante uh from afar
1: <laughs> hey everybody Hi.
0: Right. so um not a lot of particular sports news to go around but i know there's a lot of free agency talk um out there right now you've got um uh, You've got a, a bunch of things going on in the Bears' area, but then you've got you've got Jason Witten going to the Raiders and Melvin Gordon going to the Broncos. You've got the Cardinals in and uh, in Houston doing some weird money moves. De- DeAndre uh, and um, Hopkins ending up with the Cardinals for s- somehow for David Johnson and in some light compensation, but. Um, I don't know. Is there, any, is there any particular ones out there that have really struck you as some strange moves going on?
1: Well, actually, the one you just mentioned, uh, DeAndre Hopkins getting traded, basically for David Johnson, um, a few other minor details there, but that's basically the big trade. And apparently, the reason for it was because uh, the coach did not get along with DeAndre Hopkins. Because on, on the surface, this seems obviously like a ridiculously one-sided trade. <laughs> Uh, Hopkins is, depending on your point of view, he's definitely a top two or top three receiver in the league. David Johnson was barely able to walk last year Yeah, uh, at the end of the year. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously he's going to heal up, and he'll be a lot better next year this coming season than he was last year. But it's pretty evident that uh, it's still a ridiculously lopsided trade. So it kind of raises the question is that, you know, as a fan or even as an owner, I – and how much of that really factor into these trades is how much the coach just simply doesn't get along with the player. In other words, how much should the coach maybe and the player have to kind of live with each other or suck up before you make kind of what I, what I can think of a ridiculously one-sided trade?
0: Yeah. No, It's um, it seems weird. I mean, obviously it seems like a, a silly move for the Cardinals not to take the trade, obviously, because you're basically taking um, a receiver that – you could definitely use, and obviously a receiver on a team where he is definitely an important uh, member of the team for a running back who you didn't even particularly use last year. And now that you've they've signed Kenyon Drake, they've re-signed him up for it was eight million dollars or something. There's not really a particular use for David Johnson in Arizona.
1: That's that you're absolutely right, Jay. And and uh, yeah, the Cardinals—it's a no-brainer. You know, I'm yeah. really really thinking of the Texans. Uh, you know, think, think about the Texan situation for a moment, okay? Now they got rid of DeAndrea Hopkins. Now what do they got?
0: I was going to say, you've got Will Fuller got and you've got Fuller, uh, who's, Kenny Stills Will, now.
1: Will Fuller is nice, but he's injured half the time. Yeah. He misses 50% of the games. Uh, and and even Stiller is not – he gets injured frequently too, not, not as much as Fuller, but he gets injured yeah. too. But you don't have what I would consider that genuine uh, – Combination of speed and possession receiver that Hopkins gives you, because yeah. those other two guys you mentioned—they're purely speed guys. They're they're relatively little guys, big speed, but and then like I say, they're they're injured, especially Fuller. I think over the last uh, three years or so, Fuller has missed at least fifty percent or more of the games. Yeah, and obviously a lot of times when he's playing, he's not at one hundred percent. Basically, Fuller had one good game all of last year. He had one good game. All his well, other that- games are not that great. He had one other okay game. Yeah. Yeah, but usually you've got to say most
0: of the good games that come around is probably because uh, people can mainly focus on Hopkins, you know, defending Hopkins so these other guys can become open. Uh, I don't really know who's the main focus now. But um, I guess the other big receiver um, coming around is, I mean, Diggs going to the to the Bills is a big, um, big change for them. I know obviously the Bills kind of gave up a pretty – hefty sum of of picks for digs and i mean i guess i don't know i don't know how to evaluate that trade because realistically i know digs is good but i don't know about giving up maybe what was it three or four of your of your draft picks i, I don't know if it's worth quite that much depending on what you're looking <clears> for i mean obviously the bills definitely needed more of a wide receiver threat because they've got some guys there that are really good but Not really a clear, outspoken number one kind of character. but
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% on that one. And depending on how those draft picks are used, I mean, this could end up being that proverbial trade that hurts both teams. (laughs) So we'll have to see how that – no one can really determine how that's going to pan out. But you make an excellent point. Uh, How badly did the Bills really need – digs I mean, they certainly could use them but how badly to give up all those draft picks and then on the other side uh once again i mean who are the vikings got you got feeling yeah. and the tight end has kind of been mostly nothing the past couple years and now you got draft yeah, picks yeah. to
0: ride on i guess
1: <laughs> well yeah but you know it's not always that those receivers draft picks end up being really great the first year. Sometimes they're okay, but
0: I was going to say it ends up being kind of, this is the year of the receiver, so to speak, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get any of the number one receivers with that pick. So we were talking about the bucks in the last segment. um, And obviously the biggest signing of course is bringing Jason Pierre Paul back, right? (laughs) Contenders. No, um, they, they've made some commitments to their defense obviously but one of the biggest ones you're going to hear the most about obviously is, is if i say obviously a couple more times is, is tom brady um very surprising i mean not surprising in the days leading up to it but as of like our last podcast I mean, they were barely on the list um i think of people who were likely to get him we thought they might he might go to the raiders or um, yeah. Or people were surmising that he would stay in conference and play for Miami or something of that sort. But obviously now he, you know, he still moves to Florida. So it was a two-year, sixty million dollar possible deal, and it's fifty million dollars of that is guaranteed. Um, how do you feel about his move to the Bucks? Yeah, that's
1: that's kind of move that goes under the heading of surreal. Um. And I admit, you know, in our previous conversations, uh, I didn't get it right. But I don't know if anybody got it right, frankly. I, I really thought the overwhelming uh, odds were that he would stay with New England. And one of the reasons is because his replacement's not on the roster. And obviously, they could bring somebody in, but, yeah. you know, you're not going to bring somebody who's going to be Tom Brady. Uh, he's going to have to get acclimated. You know, it's not going to be somebody who's been there for 20 years. It's going to be somebody who's going to have to get acclimated to the people and the plays and everything. So if you're going to let Tom Brady walk, if you're in New England, that means that you're basically committed to probably a lost year. I mean, you might have a year where you're 500 or slightly over, but you're probably not a serious Super Bowl contender. So that's why I was really shocked. And then also shocked that Brady would leave. If you're at a place for 20 years. Yeah, You leave for, for two years.
0: All right, and the last topic we have to get to. Uh...
1: Yes, just uh, we're talking about <laughs>
0: I don't even want to say it, because if I say it, then we have to start talking about it. Um, so the Bears, the Bears free agency uh, going on right now. Um, so we know they've stacked themselves up with the tight end. They brought Jimmy Graham in. They're paying him what they're already paying. Uh, Burton, and then they've uh, they got rid of an expensive edge rusher that you didn't want for an expensive ed- edge rusher that might might pro- profit you more with Robert Quinn. So. Uh, but you never know. Uh, Could and then be. the big. Uh, and then I know they just brought in uh, Barkevius Mingo. They just signed him to a one year deal, but it was pretty cheap. I don't think they signed him for very much. Talking probably less. I think it was, think it was only maybe like. A, it was a one year or two. It was like one year, like somewhere between one and one million and three million or something like that. They got him pretty on the cheap. But uh, the big one is. There's finally somebody in Chicago to actually compete against Mitchell Trubisky now. Um, kind of a surprise where everyone on a, um, everyone on CBS uh, Sports was talking about, oh, it's going to be Cam Newton's coming. They're working on the deal, working on the deal, and then all of a sudden Foles comes in and they they can make a deal for a fourth round a compensatory fourth round pick um, to bring Foles in. And then I know they're working out the salary details after that, but um, I don't know. I've been around long enough to see both sides of the Foles um, show up. So how do you feel about the Foles acquisition?
1: Well, Foles history and he has a lot of it. He's been around for I don't know, six years now, I think, or seven seasons.
0: Well, let's see, I believe he's uh, I believe him and me are the same age. So
1: Yeah, maybe longer than that. I, I guess maybe I'm thinking of the seasons that he actually played. He's probably played for five <laughs> or six seasons. But Foles is that proverbial story where when he's good, he's very, very good. But when he's bad, he is very, very bad. Yeah. So I,
0: I remember the Rams days. I remember he might want you to forget him, but I remember Foles on the Rams when they <laughs> thought when they thought very similarly to the Bears that they could run Foles.
1: But, well, um, Foles, Foles in the Jaguars wasn't much better. Although, and his defense last year, I think he was playing mostly hurt last year. So yeah. And then he played a few games, so it's hard. I would say it's a, a good move. This has been, and if you live in Chicago, this has been a very controversial move. A uh, one you're paying the guy on average twenty-two million a year, so it's a big contract. And uh, like I say, he's been up and down a ton. Obviously, he had a fantastic year when he won the Super Bowl. He's the MVP of the Super Bowl, wonderful. But then he's had a lot of years where he's been terrible. Um, but what, you know, what we don't know is what version of Foles we're going to get. But I think it's basically a good move. And the reason I say that is is kinda of the point you made earlier, we finally have some competition. Yeah. Before, there was no competition whatsoever for that starting position. I think it's, uh, in the case of a Trubisky or somebody who's not really a star player, uh, I, I like to see a little bit of competition. And I, my hunch is, you know, Trubisky might end up starting the first game or two. But, yeah. you know, at some point in time, I think Foles is going to wind up taking it over until uh, – <laughs> yeah, you know, until he plays his way out of the position too, uh, which well, may or may not
0: happen. Well, I hate to—I know it doesn't sound super analytical, but yeah, but it's it's far too—it's far too hard to predict it because he's really one of the only people that they could have gotten. Where we, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think you basically saw Jameis Winston's uh, ceiling last year, and I don't like it. I mean, the obvious truth is that he performed so highly, like you said, as far as, like, being passing yards, passing touchdowns. I mean, he played so well, but it comes at a price, you know. So, basically, like, if that's yeah. – I think it's pretty close to his ceiling, and and it's not enough. So, and then Cam Newton, I think the problem is Cam Newton has been dusting floors with his face for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's been on his back for a while, too, so – it's kind of one of those things where he's one of those guys where, like you said, enormous ceiling and a steep fall if if not supported properly. But hopefully with the right play calling and the right coaching. As I recall, the Rams he walked into were not very good in the first place. So that's true. Um, so the reality is he's he's being surrounded by a team that's got a little. Yeah, make more a good point. Going on, but yeah, you make a good point
1: about all those guys. Winston and Newton. Hope you're breaking. But up. you think about Winston, you're right. Yeah, you're breaking up too. Can you hear me at all? I can hear you. Oh, all right. You froze there for a while. You have to do some editing. Hey, yeah. I think you're back. Go ahead. Yeah, I make an excellent point about both those guys. So Winston, in particular, yeah, you probably saw a ceiling. The thing is, he had all kinds of offensive weapons at his disposal. If you brought him into Chicago, and you'd have to pay him at least the twenty-two million you give him, Foles probably yeah. more. And yeah, you got Allen Robinson, but you know you don't have the all the receivers and the tight ends that they did over in, in Tampa Bay. And Cam Newton, like I say, we don't know what he got left in the tank. But that's why this Foles move seems to be so controversial. It's not so much that people are against Foles as much as the price tag. Because for a little more than you're paying Foles to come in, you could have got one of those other two guys or you could have got Phillip Rivers or you could get, who knows, one or two other veterans. And I think that's one of the things that's making it controversial.
0: Well, I think the big one that is, it's hard to look at is they at least know if they bring in foals. I mean, if they get a good year out of foals, they can get a couple more out of foals at his age. You know, there's still a point where he can still be used for several years and, he can even buy you time in the meantime until you find something else. But when you're talking about those other guys, I, I don't think Cam Newton has the ceiling. I don't think uh, anymore anymore. But I and I don't think that I definitely don't think Jameis was the right fit. But I think when you look at the weapons around him, Foles, when he was playing, playing, either saying he's playing for the Eagles or he was playing for uh, his rare amount of time playing for Jacksonville, his weapons are very similar. Some kind of running attack. Uh, pretty decent defense, um, a couple receivers, not high super-profiled receivers. Um, so well, was, the, the situation is, she, is very similar.
1: Yeah, but you look at you look at Foles, to your point, you look at Foles a few years ago when they won that Super Bowl. He played very well, don't get me wrong, but my goodness, he had receivers everywhere, and he had two really good tight ends even they could yeah. use.
0: Well, in theory, he might have two good tight ends right now if they play.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but it's he one of those things where, well, I guess now they're trying to really, um I guess we'll just, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that pans out because realistically, like it, like it's, it could be, it's too hard to tell at this point. But right now they're trying to focus also on um backing up their defense because right now a lot of their like sort of backfield, like their safety position is kind of weak at the moment. You've got Jackson, but you don't really have a lot of clear cut. Other people for it, um, and then obviously yeah. they're, always try- they're always trying yeah. to improve their offensive line. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you got obviously Jackson's a safety, and he's he's great. And you, but you do have Fuller coming back. But but you're right though. You still got you know a safety and a and a cornerback position that's kind of up in the air. It's going to be open to competition this year, and they're hoping once again with one of these signings to catch lightning in a bottle. And
0: well, they just grabbed. I know they just grabbed um, Ed Byrne. Is that what I'm thinking of? He's a one of the Steelers uh cornerbacks. Yeah. They just brought yeah. him in and so, he's yeah. uh supposed to compete with Tolliver for a position, but some every once in a while when they say you're competing against somebody else and the person you're competing against is Kevin Tolliver, I'm a little weary as to I mean, I guess that I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I hate I hate slamming Tolliver on uh, on this very littily watched show, but <laughs> but it's not that it's like you know, when someone literally wants you to compete with uh, Mitchell Trubisky or something and you're like, really, I have to compete again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the right signing to make, you know, but um, they also were talking about um, I've seen a lot of things where like you have you have an abundance of tight ends right now, but you have tight ends where you're you're not sure in the next couple of years how reliable you want it to be. So as usual, I mean, it's the Bears. They're They're going to draft a tight end. They always do just in case, you know. Um, so they wanted to see if there's someone that you can get on the younger side. Because obviously, eventually, if the deal doesn't work out, you're going to phase out Jimmy Graham. And Burden could be on the cutting block eventually, too. Especially if he doesn't play too often. But everyone keeps talking about the Notre Dame. Um, I know I just put an L in Notre. But um, they they keep talking about the tight end from Notre Dame, uh, Cole Kmet. They keep talking about him, and I suppose he's supposed to be like the number one tight end in the in the country right now. But I thought that was absolutely insane when I saw highlights from Randy Moss's son, uh, yeah. Thaddeus Moss, who's a tight end for LSU. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to say this, but you keep drafting, you keep free agent signing tight ends, and they're not built like Cole Komet. Cole Komet is so much more of a a Kyle Rudolph tight end. You know, kind of a th- somewhat thicker guy, like you know, not like a big. They would they like to throw a lot of passes to tight ends in Chicago. So I look at someone like Thaddeus, and Thaddeus Moss is a very hands, you know, wide receiver. He's just obviously he's taller, but he's kind of thicker than like his father was. So you know, he played more of a tight end position, and I was like, I don't know. it's like maybe don't go the the Notre Dame way, maybe. Maybe see if you can go the Thaddeus Moss way if he's if he's available. But I don't think signing a rookie tight end would be too bad. Too bad of an idea, just in case. Can learn behind a few
1: people. I mean, well, assuming... I I totally agree. I mean, they're talking about this. Uh, Adam Shaheen is probably going to be gone. Yeah. Probably going to get cut. So really, you're looking at Trey Burton and Jimmy Graham. Uh, Trey Burton probably has played less than 50% of the game, far less than 50% of the games in the two years he's been in Chicago. I don't think you can count on him. Too much. Uh, Jimmy Graham, you know, got to be near the end of his career. I mean, my goodness, he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback last year, and uh, really didn't put up very big numbers at all. So we'll see what he's got left in the tank, but certainly not for long. So I think you're right, Jay. That they should probably draft a tight end. Might be happy with either one of those two guys, but you might you might be right about Moss. We'll have to we'll have to see what they do. I mean, obviously, any team they go in the draft, you're always looking at you know what are our needs, you know the proverbial thing, but um, the Bears need to cash in more on their draft than they have in the past. You know, they had a few good picks, but man, they have really whiffed on a lot of picks and tight end being one of them and receiver being the other one. They've yeah. really whiffed big time in their picks, and it's actually a little short of miraculous that this team is as good as it was. Now, they were only 500 last year, but they were about 11-5 and five the year before. It's miraculous they're as good as the are as much as they have really struck out. and So many of their top picks, At least on the offensive side. They've actually done a good job on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, it's amazing how much they have really blundered badly on these picks. One of the guys you mentioned was the white receiver from, what, five years ago now or something like that. And, you know, he was the number seven overall pick in the whole draft in the first round. Now, granted, they had no way of knowing he was going to get injured right away. You know, he seemed like a superstar in college. So that was just kind of bad luck. But it just seems like we've had a lot of that bad luck on the offensive side of the ball, and as you point out, particularly in tight end. I mean, it's just yeah. horrible what they've done on drafting tight ends.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know Shaheen. I mean, as far as the highlight reels were concerned, he was supposed to be uh, a big deal, but definitely came yeah. in with a lot less, uh, lot less fire than I think they were expecting. Well, I think they're going to be a very interesting uh, squad, as always, to watch because you just you never really know what to expect from them, but. Um, I agree. Hopefully, the Foles trade or the Foles trade works out well for them, and um, I, I think, based on the moves available, it was probably the right decision to make. Um, but I don't think it would hurt to draft one, and I don't think it would hurt to. They have to address the offensive line, and probably some more defensive picks will be in there. But um, I agree. Yeah, I, I think free major free agent wise, they're probably somewhat done at this point.
1: Yeah, the rest of it yeah. might
0: be some low-level signings and stuff if they can get a couple other people. But anyway, hopefully, uh,
1: hopefully that works out well for them. Well, I say they weren't that bad last year. I mean, they were five hundred. I mean, they, they had some some big ups and they had some big downs. Um, you know, I will say one thing though. One thing they've got to do, and it's not going to be easy, is they have got to get over this mental issue they have with beating the Packers. And it's kind of funny, too, because yeah. if you're a Bear coach and you come in, I mean, the number one thing fans want you to do is to beat the Packers. And, of course, we know that the last 30 years <laughs> they have done very good. Uh, there was a time, if you go back, say, 25 years ago, there was a time where the Lifetime Series was heavily in the Bears' favor. I mean, they must have been 20, 25 games up on the Packers. And now they're actually a few games behind the Packers yeah. on the all-time-one loss list. Now, all I'll say is, yeah, okay, I grant you, and we've talked about this before, I grant you they have like, you know, 28 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking between Favre and Rodgers. I, I get all that, but they have to do a little bit better job because basically it's an automatic loss. Yeah. You know, it's two, it's two automatic losses every year, and they just look like they're, when they play the Packers, they're just kind of, they've lost their confidence. They have no confidence at all. You could well, see it in the first game last year. They lost ten to three at home. You know, you'd think they would go up and they'd be all fired up and yeah, we're gonna get the Packers at Soldier Field opening day. And they came out flatter than a pancake.
0: Well, that's and really they sad. couldn't do it. You tell you tell me the Packers scored ten points in Soldier Field. I mean, I'm telling you that the Packers probably lost.
1: That's right. So it, was, it was very weird, but it
0: was weird seeing the first year the first year where Trubisky was really starting to take over a majority of this or you know, to take the starting role from the beginning. And they almost beat the Packers week one. Uh, and then somebody loaded loaded Aaron Rodgers ah, with as many tranquilizers that, as I could that
1: find. That game, though, the key, the key word is almost. And that's what I'm saying. That but, game, they did
0: win, but they did win. Uh, they did win the second one, though. Well, it was Rodgers was out. Well, he yeah. was injured. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, you need to beat, beat the Packers. We, don't, when we don't have an
0: Aaron Rodgers, so I think it's only fair that they don't have
1: an Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> But they've beaten us several times, a couple times they've beaten us in recent years when Aaron Rodgers was injured and they beat us anyway. Not, this is a big point because you talk about trying to win a division. It's it's virtually impossible to win a division. If you're going to go in there with this mental attitude, you're, you're dropping two games at the Packers automatically. And right now it is all mental. Not that the Packers stink. I mean, obviously they were in the playoffs, had a good record. but uh, But the way they're losing, the game you point out from two years ago, They're up 20 to nothing, and they lost in the fourth quarter. The point point I'm trying to make about the the psychological issue with the Bears is that it's very difficult to make the playoffs here, especially win the division, if you're just going to give away two games to the eventual first-place team every year. And right now it's all psychological. The game you mentioned from two years ago is a classic example. I mean, they're up 20 to nothing, and they lost in the fourth quarter. And they lost 10-3 to in the first game last year. I mean, they just, it wasn't, you know, obviously it was some good defense by the Packers, but not three points you know, on opening day. So look at Minnesota Vikings, right? If you look at the last couple of years, the Vikings have been somewhat comparable to the Packers as far as their record and statistics as far as how good they are. The Bears have swept both games from the Vikings, both last year and this year. But they faced the Packers, and all of a sudden they turned into jello. Uh, it's just they've got to get over this hump. To me, I bring this up because, to me, that's a critical thing, is to get over the psychological hump about beating the Packers. I don't care who, what players are on your team or what moves you make, if you're just going to turn to jello every time you play the Packers and not be able to do anything, you're never going to be that good. I mean, that season that they went 11-5, and five, and they made the playoffs, they still lost to the Packers twice. <laughs> you can't count on that happening every year. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the reality is, uh, assuming the season actually ends up happening, they've got the Packers week four, and then obviously kind of later in the season. Um, I don't know. Is that the usual the usual Packers or the usual bears, uh, ma- mantras that we just kind of have to cross our fingers and hope everything <laughs> kind of works out for the best, but yeah, no, it's going to be 2020 for you.
1: Yeah. I, and I got to say one thing, I, we don't can't end this broadcast without saying something that you just pointed out. Yeah. If the season happens yeah. and I know right now, September seems far away. Of course, training camp is going to be in July. That's, but, um, Yeah, contrary to popular belief, uh, I think there's a definite chance that there won't be any NFL this year because of the coronavirus situation. uh, Baseball, same thing. That might not happen, even though they've only delayed the season technically until the middle of May, but it's obviously going to go way beyond that. So not to end on a doom and gloom because, you know, over the long term, over the long term, everything will eventually be fine and it'll turn back to normal. It's just a question of how long. And uh, the point I was trying to make is, is that I think that, A, we have a lot of people that are not following the guidelines that have been set by their state governors or by the federal government doctors. A lot of people are out gallivanting around. They're in hotels and nightclubs and beaches and everything. And it's literally forced this, these states' hands to close things up, Yeah, like casinos. I mean, casinos are fun, but I mean, I, I can't imagine a worse place to be than a casino. <laughs> you know, in, in the case of a virus contagion. So uh, a, people have got to start following the recommendations of the leaders, which they which a lot are, but but a lot aren't. But two is that just by uh, the nature of it, although the mortality rate is is low compared to Ebola, for example, but the thing is it's very contagious. so we may find within 30 days, that the number of new cases per day has gone down, which is good. But I think what's going to happen is as you ease restrictions, and hopefully it'll be slowly, but as you ease restrictions, now you're going to see the curve go up again as far as new yeah. cases. So we're going to have to take our lead by t- taking a look at what China does and maybe South Korea. Because take China, you know, they, they've they had several days in a row, if, if you believe the reports coming out of China, they've had several days in a row where they've had no new case. Yeah. now they're they're excluding Hong Kong because that's kind of an independent city. Hong Kong actually has had a rise in cases recently. but we'll see if China or or South Korea, who's done an outstanding job controlling this thing, if they ease restrictions and we start seeing this graph go up as far as new cases, then you know we'll learn from that. So anyway, that's that's the point is that if the NFL season gets delayed, it's not because um, you know, Half the country has the virus. no, that's not what I'm saying at all. but what's going to happen is as you ease restrictions, you'll see that that curves are going up up and then they have to put more restrictions on. So I think you're gonna yeah. see this this curve going up and down with new infections as we because we can't totally shut down the economy. yeah, uh, but on the other hand, we got to protect we got to protect people. so we're kind of in a an unknown situation right now.
0: well, I'll try and keep my I'll try and keep my general opinions on how the Senate is doing their job right now to uh, entice people to follow the restrictions, you know, by staying at home or limiting expenses. Uh, I know people in Venezuela, there was a post about somebody saying they've basically the government has frozen rent, utilities, internet, phone, and, and some other and other issues like that. And basically they've said, and they built some more hospital, like another hospital or two, just in case there's an emergency, you know, emergency cases.
1: Um, well, I, so, I, I know people point out to these, like these governments, you mentioned as being more authoritarian. People will point out that they can do those things. They're not worried about the populace pushing back or hurting them with the vote. So it'd be hard to do it here. I, I get all that, but to your point, um, I would like to see, this is an apolitical comment. I would just like to see the federal government in general, Kind of take charge of the situation in terms of of not just you know stimulus checks and that kind of thing, but but issue a, a set of rules that will cover the whole country so that we're all doing the same thing. because you've got a situation now where for the most part individual state governors have been determining how to handle this crisis. And I can certainly understand if you know a situation in one city is different than another, but I think we kind of all have to follow, in my opinion the same rules rather than have the governors. Yeah. Because you got some states that are really ratcheted down, like a California or an Illinois, and then other ones, like I'm not going to mention names, but other ones are much more wide open. Well,
0: yeah,
1: you know, a lot of these decisions about states are being made based on the fact that they have very few reported infections. And, and that's wrong-headed thinking, because A, those states have low infections because they're not testing anybody, and B is, yeah, they may have low have infections... Any- they may have low infections, but they're going to get big infections. you know that's how you get it's big infections
0: It's hard to get new infections if you don't test anyone yeah. There's no new cases we haven't tested any new
1: cases, yeah, so I want to be clear i'm not, this is not a political conversation at all. I mean, we have people on, I mean, on both sides I don't care about that, but I do feel are. like I think we'd be better off just if if the government comes down from on high and uh issues a set of rules that all the states follow because whether a state has a high-level infections or low-level infections, it really, to me, shouldn't matter because they're all going to get high infections if you don't all follow the same rules. And and people travel between states all the time too, of course.
0: Well, and the problem with most of that is that it ends up becoming a political conversation whether you want it to or not because at the end of the day you talk about the government coming from on high and a lot of people are becoming a lot less cool with... um, government control i'm not one of them um i believe that people can't be trusted so <laughs> so, so, so you kind of need people in mass to make decisions as opposed to uh, everyone kind of wild westing themselves around but um so it ends up no. kind of being political in its own way because it's not a very conservative view to allow the government to take power i mean unless the power is to help you you know and it's super well, conservative, as long as the, the government works for you. For you. Um,
1: <laughs> well, I, I've so. heard that. But the only thing I would say is when you're in truly an emergency situation, yeah. you know, then I think you have to kind of suspend the normal rules and the normal uh, political thinking and really kind of have to unite uh, together. And, uh, but we're not doing that right now. Right now, like say, you have, if you're a, a person uh, in the United States, a citizen, you have wildly different rules that you live by if you're in one state versus another. And I, and maybe I'm a voice in the wilderness, but I just think we should all have the same rules and probably tighter than what some of these states have. But yes. I like to see us all following the same rules because eventually all the states are going to get it and they're all going to be high levels, but we need to slow it down. The key is to slow it down so you don't overwhelm the hospitals and the health care providers. So I guess that's my plug, I guess, for everybody to... To uh, respect the rules that have been given, whether it's the six-foot rule, uh, distance between people, or the stay-at-home rule some states have or whatever. Uh, I know it's boring and so forth, but yeah. uh, it, it's oh, really critical.
0: Well, it's really become that thing I was telling uh, telling Lauren about. It. It's very much um, only like uh really proving to about how much people don't like being told what to do you know because you spend an yeah. entire week talking about how you wish you could just be at home and do nothing <laughs> and then when they go hey you know, stay at home and do nothing you're like well now i want to go do stuff that's not yeah. fair. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do you know well anyway i hope you guys appreciated this uh little extra political conversation here i'll probably make it its own its own video uh snippet or whatever but um if you're listening to us, if you're watching us right now on Facebook, you can hear the podcast all together on uh, Apple Music. If you're listening on Apple Music, then you found us on Apple Music, so good job there. Um, also on Spotify for anyone watching. Uh, you really have to look for us, though, on Spotify, unfortunately, because apparently uh, i not getting enough attention to pull search results. Um but we built. Um, I we appreciate everyone uh, tuning in during this uh, during these uh, virus times, and uh, just really appreciate uh, appreciate you being here, Dad, uh, joining me on this and uh, talking hey, some talking some football, talking some virus. Um, <laughs> hope everybody has a good day, though. Thank you for listening.
1: Bye bye.